to another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me as always is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, Chris? Yay, me. I'm doing good. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm kicking it. Yeah? Just kicking it. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. So let's just dive right in, shall we? Dive let's away. Let's do it. We're talking about a specific piece of software today. We're talking about the Brainworks Plugin Alliance Amic 1999. Console plugin, sir. Yes, sir. That's it. And we're both kind of fans of console style mixing these days, or at least the workflow of, of having everything in one interface type of a vibe, right? Yes. And this one was kind of heralded when it came out, and we both had some time to mess around with it. We're going to give our thoughts and a couple of things that we like and a couple of things that we really don't necessarily like, <laughs> yeah. but more on that later. What would you say about the history? Where, where is this coming from? It is an emulation of the Amec 9098i console, released somewhere in the range of 1999-2000, right at the turn of the century. So it's supposed to be modern. It was designed yep. by the masterful Rupert Neve. When this particular emulation was released, it got Music Tech Magazine's Gear of the Year Award for 2021. Ooh. That's yeah, sexy uh, right there, isn't it? Right. And at least according to Plugin Alliance or Dirk Ulrich, the, the head, or used to be the head of uh, Plugin Alliance Brainworks, he said that it was one of the most deeply emulated consoles that they had done, at least to that date. And I think it's actually, well, no, I take that back. I was going to say this is the latest console that they've released, but that's not true because they just came out with like a Helios thing, right? So mm -hmm. as the recording of this podcast, what are your initial thoughts on it just on top of your head before we dive into the nitty gritty here? It's very similar to a lot of console plugins. You've got your Input section of high and low pass filters, you can change the input gain. There's a gate, there's an expander, there are side chains for all those things. There's a compressor, there's a limiter, there's an EQ section. There's a lot of stuff that's typical to pretty much every console plugin that is out there, and it is typical of all of that. What makes this plugin different are some of the things that happen in certain sections of the plugin itself and how they went about emulating or maybe not emulating certain aspects of the actual console. <laughs> yeah, I think that's interesting. It is. How some of the things are treated like, oh, we have to get this down to the real minutia and then seemingly at a turn of a house, like, well, we don't like this, so let's not implement that. Right. You know? Crazy but, stuff. I mean, it, we talked about that in the past, though, when we talked about consoles or, or any other plugin, where obviously dealing with the digital recreation of this now. So you can obviously take some liberties with the emulation. And in a lot of cases, that's a good thing. Sure, it can be. I'm not talking about amplifying or in the case of other manufacturers, not including stuff, right, in <laughs> slapping a label on it. Right. You know, things that we'll discuss here, but things like adding mix knobs to compressors and stuff that might not have been there. That, that's obviously a really, really good thing, I right. think. Those are nice additions anyway to get that parallel concept happening on the interface. Sure. 
Yeah. So let's kick it off with the EQ section because both you and I have some love for this portion and some animosity for this portion. <laughs> That's okay. a good way of saying it. What do you want yeah, to kick it off with, the animosity or the love? We're going to do a fair bit of love for this, so let's start with the animosity. Oh, gee. And, and this is, yeah, this is really my biggest gripe with this. Mm -hmm. I should say, though, that I think it's just because it's not documented very well. No, it isn't. And What is it that's not documented well, though? Because people are like, what is he talking about? I'm getting to it, right? Well, let's, okay, I'll just dive right in. On the low end of things, the low frequencies, as well as the high frequency sections of the EQ, mm -hmm. there are additional functionalities. On the low frequency, there's a button called Glow. Mm -hmm. First thing, it's on by default, so that amplifies my hatred for this. <laughs> <laughs> but the manual says something to the effect that it changes the curve of the low frequency of the center point where you're boosting or cutting. They're not wrong about that. <laughs> no, but that's being generous with definitions here. It because is. It's being it, very it, generous. It really, really shifts the center frequency of what you think that you're working with. By so, a wide margin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy, actually, because I did some looking at this. And also, I suppose we should mention here that a guy both you and I really like to listen to because he's super knowledgeable, but Dan Worrell, he does an amazing video on this where, where he kind of walks through it, what this actually does. Mm -hmm. But just as a, an example, if you have the low frequency set to 100 hertz, mm -hmm. With glow and off, it will be 100. With, with glow <laughs> off, it would be 100 hertz, and you're boosting, say, whatever. If you add the glow, when you're still set to 100 hertz, the roll-off doesn't start happening up until almost 500. Yeah, And it's, it's such a gentle slope that it reaches all the way up to like 2K. It's insane. That's something that... First, I'm like a head scratcher. I'm like, well, what's the use for that? Low and end bump, who knows? As a real world example, the first time I dove into this and used it on a mix, that threw my ears and my brain for such a loop. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that Glow was on at first, so that was bad on my part. But two, I'm like, this is nowhere near the frequency that I think I'm at. What the hell's going on? And of course, I'm then trying to manipulate things with the high pass filter and it's not getting anywhere high enough to get the situation corrected. And I'm like, Aah! yeah, <laughs> yeah. Once I turned that off, it was like, oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had my first experimentation with this, as I tend to do with a lot of new plugins and things. I, I try them on drum kits and working with the low frequency first and naturally a, a kick drum, uh -huh. right? And again, glow is on and it sounds like glow. Ooh, it, to me, it, it sort of sounds like it should add harmonics and stuff and a little bit of distortion, some pleasing stuff. That's not what it is at all, no. right? So it's really hard to... See, I want to, oh, I want to add a little heft to the low end of the kick. 
right? And it's I'm boosting more than a here. <laughs> oh, it's more than a little, and it's it's just amplifying the boxiness and just everything. So yeah, I don't like that at all. I think that could have been documented better while we're on the, the low frequency. You can do it as a peak as well, right? Yeah. So it doesn't have to be a shelf. It can be a peak, but even there, it, the peak gets really, really wide and even shifts yeah. in frequency. It's nowhere so, near, when you turn glow on, it's nowhere near where you think it is. Yeah. It's nuts. So use your ear. And bonus tip for anybody, like if you find a great use for this, let me know because <laughs> I, I can't think of one right now. Maybe um, some hip hop stuff or EDM might love it because of the gigantic low end that I could give it. However, let's move on to the high frequency end with the other side called Sheen does pretty much the exact same thing. You've yep. got your sheen off and the high frequency shelf acts just like you think it would. Turn that sheen shit on and all of a sudden it's shifted and it's way out of proportion to where you think it is. Craziness. Yeah. I mean, it's like crazy difference. Yeah. I'm not sure if this is how it worked on the consoles. I assume it was, but it's strange to me. It's an odd functionality. And that is my biggest gripe with this console emulation. I, it's not in the emulation itself necessarily, but that functionality is, I don't know. But then again, who am I to argue with Mr. Rupert Neve, right? right. But <laughs> He did it for yeah. a reason. What reason that is, we don't know. Once I had my template all set up and turned both of those off by default so that they weren't on in the template, mm -hmm. mixing bliss was much easier. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because you're actually affecting what you think you're affecting. <laughs> exactly. Another portion to the EQ section that we both like, you can turn the entire EQ section on or off. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, you have individual on-off buttons for the high frequency, the high mid, the low mid, and the low frequency section. So you could technically have one band of EQ going with your EQ in or off. And much like any other console, you can put this pre-compressor gate type situation, post-compressor gate situation, or use it as a side chain to the compressor or gate too. It's normal for most things. It was the glow and sheen that really kind of mm, gives you a love-hate for this particular console emulation. Yeah, and the on and off thing there sounds like such an obvious thing, right? You could think, well, just bypass the EQ. But one thing that I think is really cool with that you can do on each individual band, mm -hmm. it's not that it necessarily is color anything where they're just in and not active. When you're doing your adjustments to the track, can be good to bypass that band and listen to what it is that you're actually doing. So you kind of like keep yourself in check and sure. is this actually getting better or not? So that's a functionality I really like. Another thing on the EQs that seen on other console emulations as well in EQs is the addition of multiplying the band by two or dividing by two. Yeah. Right, so that you could sculpt to two different frequencies. I like that. So overall the EQ, I think... Well, there's one EQ. other function to the EQ that's interesting called auto-listen. When that button is flipped in, if you start manipulating a particular EQ for its Q or its frequency, that one gets highlighted yeah. in the auto-listen frequency, which is really yeah. nice. That 
obviously an additional to the plugin, right? But that's something that Brainworks have done in other plugins as well. The uh, master desk, I believe, has that for certain like filter resonances. But that is really handy. So you can really dial in the fundamental of the kick or whatever, making sure that when you're listening to it in the mix, that that's what you're actually doing. So that's a functionality I like as well. And that's only when you're if you have that engaged, that auto-listen feature, it's only when you're adjusting that parameter. Or the right. mouse is clicked on it, for so to speak, and right. actually doing the manipulation. Mm -hmm. And speaking yeah. of other manipulations, let's take a word from our sponsors. And we're back. We're going to move on to something that is in every PA console emulation, and that is called the TMT feature. What exactly is the TMT feature, Chris? Well, it attempts to emulate the differences that are inherent in all analog consoles in between each channel strip. Right. Because we're dealing with actual physical components, channel one is going to sound slightly different than two and different from three and so on. Yep. So what Brainworks are doing here is that it adds that functionality into the console emulations here. So you can have it off or you can add it in, but then you get these tiny discrepancies between channels, each channel. Yep. Now that's provided that you're actually putting this across every channel strip in your DAW. <laughs> you're not yes. just using it on one channel. Right. And it's also dependent on any EQ or any processing happening. Mm -hmm. If the EQ is flat, th this functionality does nothing. It's just if you have some slight differences there. And the changes that actually end up happening is for each channel strip or virtual channel strip here, as it were, the center frequency for each band is slightly different. It changes that, and it's just something you'd have to listen to. Now, I would argue that a cool idea and this is, again, this is just my opinion. If you're listening and mixing your track and adjusting the EQ, is it really in your best interest of changing it to a different channel, right? So, so that those peaks and valleys get a little bit different. If you're just listening and adjusting to where it are, you don't want those to change. It's a functionality that's kind of cool, but I'm not sure how much of actually crosstalk or any of that kind of stuff is happening. I think it's just that the frequencies are, are shifting slightly. But the functionality is there. So if you want it to sound like, yeah, this is my 72 channel or whatever, yeah. right? each one is going to sound a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. But I think the workflow is more important in how you're doing it. Do you have a thought on that? Is that something you, you deal with or, or set it up that way? The primary reason I would choose a Plugin Alliance console in general, not just necessarily the AMEC, but any Plugin Alliance console emulation is strictly for that slight discrepancy. The reason behind that is, is our real console has that slight discrepancy, unless it's a digital console, but most console that people really dig are analog. And those analog differences are very minute. Most people never going to hear that stuff. The idea behind it, though, to me, is to provide that extra bit of depth that happens that you wouldn't get digitally speaking. Those slight mm. discrepancies just change those little bits and just ever so slightly is what's providing that extra 
sense of realism in my mind. If I'm going on a different manufacturer's console plugin, I still don't think about it. Obviously, it's emulating the concept of the components to a certain degree and the transformer and everything else is feeding that anyway. Why not have this particular TMT stuff if you, if you can do it? It's a cool feature. I've never turned it off, put it that way. I've always left it on. Yeah, but, but do you choose actually different channels for each I do. Plug I set up. Yeah, okay. Every, so you when have I set, that up set up a template with an entire console, I have it set up so that every single one of those channels is different. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. I see that that argument. It's, it's neither here nor there. I just do no, it. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's not a right or wrong thing. I, totally. I just want people to possibly have a more correct idea of what it actually is doing. Unless I'm proven wrong, and then I'll, I'll eat my words. I'll say this. But, I have not gone to the depth of insanity to understand that channel 12 is my kick drum every time on the Amec and that channel 53 is my snare, so to speak. You wouldn't do right. that on a real console. You could do that in the emulation with the TMT stuff. I haven't done that. Yeah. Because to me, again, it's only active doing something if you're using the EQ section. So if you're using the EQ section, you're probably doing that not by numbers, but what you're hearing. Hearing, exactly. It's all about right. what you're hearing. And right. if there's slight discrepancies in a stereo channel or from two mono channels going next to each other, so be it. And that just gives it that added extra whatever half percent that makes your mix, right? All right. Moving on from the TMT stuff, though, we have a slight difference in how the compressor and limiter was actually done in comparison to the actual console. Would you like to explain that? Yeah, this is actually from Dirk Ulrich himself. He talks about when they were developing these, that on the original console, the compressor and the limiter were running in parallel. Mm -hmm. In the plug-in, they are not they're running in series. So it goes in compressor and then limiter. Right. Now, I'm sure there could be different functionalities that you could add and think about if you're running them in parallel with the mix knob that is present in both, by the way. You could get obviously even more creative with that, I think. But there's an interesting thing where they've chosen to emulate minutiae in certain detail. In this case, that functionality is not there. Mm -hmm. Again, added mix knob. So <laughs> take it for what I, I don't think it, it's uh, it's one of those things that's like, oh man, I used to use my old Amic and this is in series now. This is shit. You know, <laughs> I, I don't think most people would see that. So, sure. but it's just something that's kind of food for thought. Do you have a thought on that or? It, neither here nor there. Generally speaking, if I was going to be doing this in a digital situation, the compressor would be there. I'd probably put the limiter after the compressor anyway. So right. who cares? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I've, I've, um, the idea of running in parallel with a compressor and a limiter is kind of head-scratching to me anyway. I suppose unless I can think of it as if you're compressing a slight compression with a longer attack time, at a low ratio, but at a really low threshold. But why would you limit well, that in parallel? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, well, anyway. but then let, let's say, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Exactly. I'm just trying to play it's devil's advocate I'm, here. I'm fine with it being in series in the plugin. There's oh, another absolutely. element to this that's a little different is the ambience button. 
The ambience button, when flipped on, allows you to hear what the actual compressor is doing to the yeah. sound. It's not the input. It's not the output. It's the difference between the two that you end up hearing when you click on the ambience. Right. So essentially, you end up hearing what it is that you're Affecting. lopping off after. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that can be helpful to um, just do some fine tuning, I guess. And let's say, for example, this is something I tried it on a set of overheads where you might get a little bit too much snare mm -hmm. in there, for example. It could be a good way to dial that in. So if you're listening with that knob engaged, if you dial it up so that you hear mostly snare, you know you're not necessarily crushing your overheads, but you might be just affecting the snare in the overhead and getting the result you want. So th that's another really, really cool feature mm -hmm. uh, that I think is, is added there. And one more thing, if your DAW actually has support for this, it has an external sidechain available so you can sidechain it to something else in the yeah. mix, which is nice. Not all console plugins have that. Yeah, and that's cool because like very common thing of sidechaining Especially in things like EDM where you're going to yeah, have the kick, kick drum. Kick in the bass and yeah. that kind of thing, right? So, yeah, that's really, really nice. Another note that we maybe should bring up here is that it has a really extensive sort of gate or expander section. Yes. That is completely redone. It is not the, modeled on the actual console it, is what he means. Nope. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's not me making that up. That's from the words of Dirk Ulrich himself. Is yeah. that they didn't like that one, so they they – they this made one. it better like according it, to them. <laughs> well, of course, yeah. Now we try to make it worse, you know. <laughs> right. So there's that. Now, one other thing that, or two other things actually, that I want to bring up here before we, we start running out of time here. One thing that we should have said, I think, by the time we were talking about the TMT and all this kind of stuff and the EQ curves, there is a switch on the output section of the console that I think is really handy where it has like an analog and digital stereo mode. Mm -hmm. So what the heck does that mean? Well, again here, there are discrepancies, slight discrepancies in analog mode of the left and the right of how the frequencies of the EQ are behaving. So it could be those slight little differences that can possibly bring that depth to what you're saying mm -hmm. like with the EQ. That goes away completely in the digital mode, right? so that then they're totally equal. That's another little detail. But one that I'm a big fan of, and I think you are as well, is the uh, mono maker and the stereo width knobs. Yes, and these are available only when the plug-in is on a stereo channel strip. They go away in mono. On a stereo setup of the console plug-in, there is two switches, mono maker, stereo width and mono maker does exactly what it says when it is flipped in and you turn it up it will start changing what frequency sticks strictly to mono and that starts all the way down at 20 and goes all the way up to about 2k if you want to have a whole bunch of your low end all the way up to your 2k at some point in mono you dial that up on that knob if you want to enhance the stereo width of the actual stereo channel, you have a flip switch for that on stereo width, and it goes all the way from zero to a hundred, and then up to, I believe 200 is the knob. And when it's at a hundred, you're 
not really affecting it. When you turn it to zero, it's essentially crushing it down to mono. And then if you go all the way up to the 200 mark, that's really pulling the width way out to the sides. And that's yeah, a pretty that actually, nice little function. And in conjunction with each other, you can get things on the low end to be monoed up, and then you can really enhance the high end for width at the same time. Be crazy yeah, like it that. actually goes up to like 400% of the of the width there instead of two but so it's you can get things yeah. yeah really really wide now that sounds like a drastic effect right but if you're trying to just get a little bit more width or whatever it might be stereo guitars or a keyboard pad or whatever but still tightening up the the low end with the mono maker that that's a really really cool functionality i think all right so what's your so, impressions of this plugin i'm still trying to wrap my heads around it this would not be my first console emulation that I would pull up, uh -huh. perhaps with time. With all the added little belts and whistles that we have here, it, it gives you a lot of functionality that are things that I usually don't reach for. Right. It's one of those things where it messes up my workflow a little bit simply <laughs> by having all the options, right? It, it's almost like option overload. One thing that we talked about before we started recording here today is that with all of these, or at least with most of these, it really comes down to just your workflow. A lot of them are gonna sound great, but it's if the bell is off a little bit at 2K, well, you're probably adjusting that with your ear anyway. Sure. It's a workflow thing. I, I'm not in love with this. I like certain aspects of it a lot, and there's some I don't. How's that for a split answer? But what about you? What, what's your... What's your thought on this? I like having it as an extra tool in my toolbox. I'm, I don't hate it. I don't absolutely love it. But I'm in the middle of mixing an entire album worth of material with it, and I'm fine with it. I think it gets you a nice mix when you understand what you're listening to. And without glow and sheen on, it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> That's what I'll say. <laughs> Truer words have never been spoken. And with yeah. that, we'll move on to our Friday finds. Chris, what have you got this week? I got something cool in my inbox today from the good people of TC Electronic. They have come out with three stomp boxes that are essentially like amp in a box. For players that are gigging and you're traveling and you're not necessarily sure what you're going to get in your backline, you have three models that are like amp in a box. And these look really, really cool, like usable stuff. There's, uh, I don't remember the model numbers now, but there's basically a Fender, like a Fender combo thing. There's a Vox and there's a uh, Plexi Marshall. Mm -hmm. I thought that looked really, really cool. So if you're, if you're a gigging musician or even if you're recording at home, right? It's hard to crank a plexi at home and <laughs> get the sound that you want. So I thought these things look really, really interesting. So they're called Ampworks by TC Electronic, and that's my find for this lovely Friday. What about you? I'm going with something a little bit out of the ordinary and still along the lines of guitar playing thing. And if you are a guitar player who is aware of who Eric Johnson is, there's always that story that he apparently could hear the difference between batteries in some sort of pedal setup that he used to use. Crazy stuff. Eric Johnson has just turned the guitar playing world on its ear because he has announced that he has been messing around with amp modelers and more specifically currently with the neural DSP quad cortex. So if a guy that can hear the difference between batteries is now messing around with modelers because he likes what they can do, 
maybe it's time to pay attention to that shit. That's my pick this week. That's a good pick, Jody. Maybe it's time to put that argument to bed, right? Exactly. If it's good enough for Eric Johnson, it's good enough for you. Well, we've got your attention. We ask that you go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and sign up for our mailing list. You'll need to be on our email list in order to be eligible for any future giveaways, and we'll make sure you don't miss any future episodes of the podcast. Send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at InsideTheRecordingStudio.com with the number 9099, and you'll get something cool back in your inbox. If you have a topic or suggestion for Chris and I to explain in a future episode, contact us at the contact page and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode. With that, I'll say see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you later, Jody. Bye.